But don't give up. I look back at that in uh, 2010 where the banks, I said, closed the door. There's always an alternative uh, method out there, and that's my biggest thing is don't give up on that. And Before we get into today's episode, I want to mention today's best ever partner and give you a free gift. And that partner is Fun That Flip, and they're going to be giving you a free deal analysis spreadsheet. You know who Fun That Flip is, don't you? Because you're a loyal best ever listener. They've been a sponsor on the show. Matt Rodak, the founder of Fun That Flip, has been on the podcast multiple times given us his insight on the online lending process. Fund That Flip provides fast, reliable funding for your house flip projects. They're an online platform, makes the application process entirely easy, and they've got a whole bunch of experts on their team who can help you get funding in 24 hours and close within as few as seven days. And all of you best ever listeners, you're getting a free spreadsheet to help you analyze your projects. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. That's fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. And you'll get a free deal analysis tool. It'll help you provide a scope of work for your projects, create the scope of work, analyze the profitability of the project, or if it's not profitable, you need to know that too, and make a determination on the max purchase price super important. You can print out all the detailed reports and that will help you get your deals funded faster. Go to fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever. Get that free analysis tool, fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluffy stuff. With us today, Michael Hicks. How you doing, Michael? Doing great, Joe. How are you? I'm doing well. Nice to have you on the show. Michael is the owner of MTAC Properties, a company that purchases and rehabs residential, multifamily, and commercial properties. You're going to love his URL name as I did. It's called Big Mike buys houses cash.com i love that in the last 15 years he's bought built or rehabbed over 75 units and over half of those occurring in the last year holy cow you've been busy in the last year purchased his first property at the age of 19 based in rossville georgia with that being said you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now sure so like you said i started out at 19 if you rewind a few years I guess 14 or 15, I started working around a contractor doing, I guess, the grunt work, site work in subdivisions that he was developing. So it, I guess, put that real estate bug in me. So I went off to college thinking, go get a degree and get after it. And spent about six months in college, realized it wasn't for me and and started buying houses and shortly after started building. So kind of how I got into that, I added one or two a year and then built one or two a year, always depending on the banks. And Kind of rode that through 2009. The market's tanked. I went with it for a brief period, and then here we are. And here we are. So I just want to rewind really quick to when you were in college. You left college that you weren't digging it. And did you buy a rental shortly thereafter? Did I hear that right? Yes, I came back and went to work in a plant, uh, working, and then bought a HUD home, started rehabbing it, rented it out, and then Bought the neighbor's house, ended up buying his house. That was an owner finance deal. So I uh, added it relatively quickly and then went from there. So, yeah. And you said 2009 hit, market tanked, you went with it. What are you doing differently now that you weren't doing before? 
Well, when I say I went with it, I never lost anything or. Oh, okay. I was I was like thinking your whole portfolio just got kind of. No, no, no. I didn't get wiped out or anything like that. The banks kind of closed the doors and uh, weren't looking to loan any money. So I just okay. So the banks aren't loaning money. Here I go. I'll go get a job, and that's what I did. So what I'm doing now, uh, I kept thinking I see these deals. I said, man, I want to do that, but the banks aren't loaning any money. So, you know, I guess 2013, I started looking for alternatives and found some investment partners and, and went back in it with private money. Mm, okay. That's made the biggest difference. That's what the, the last year has really taken off from is weaning away from banks and using private investors. How do you structure it with your private investors? Well, the first investor I started working with wanted me to do the work, find the homes, get them ready, and sell them, and he wanted half the deal. And I was happy to do that. You know, 50% of something is better than nothing, so I was happy to do that. We did quite a few deals together, and then I went on off and found some other investors that are willing to put the upfront purchase price out, and then I used my own money for the rehabs. And then just pay them a lump sum interest payment when we sell the house. Okay, so now you've got investors who put up money for the acquisition of the property, and then you put your own money in for the rehab? Correct. Okay, and what are the terms for investors now who put up the acquisition dollars? Anywhere from 6 to 10%, and it's no monthly payments. I pay at the end when we sell the property. It's just a cruise. We have a 12-month term, and rinse and repeat. That's pretty simple. Sure is. That's nice and simple for everyone, myself included, because I'm very simple-minded. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for that. What about any points at closing for them? Is that not something? I'm not paying any points. Okay. I'm kind of to the point now to where if you want it, this is what it takes to do business, mm-hmm. you know. I like it. From a investor standpoint, it's very clear. How much at one point in time have you had in investor dollars that's in projects? Right now, I guess we're $1.5 million out right now with investors. So you have $1.5 million worth of acquisition costs out with investors. So you're funding the rehabs on this $1.5 million worth of acquisitions? Right. And how much are the rehab projections across the 1.5 million we're anywhere between 10 and 40 per deal when i say that i'm putting up the rehab cost i get the properties when i can if they have to sit there for a month or two i'll hold it until i sell another property and have the money to do the rehab but you know i've got five or six going at a time and then we have a couple that we're moving to as we finish one up and sell the next one Mm -hmm. Roughly how many private lenders are spread across that $1.5 million? Right now it's four. Four. So quick math, that's about $375,000 per private lender. Obviously, I'm not asking to name names, but I am curious, how did you meet them? I guess I was going to get to it later on in some of your speed round questions, but the way I ended up obtaining the first one, the biggest one, the biggest investor was we kind of fell through on the first investor I had, the one that wanted to split the deals. They decided that they were ready to travel and weren't wanting to do it anymore. So at that point, I had three deals on the table that I had under contract to purchase. Rather than let the deals go, I started going to title agencies and saying, hey, do you know anybody that I could contact that does a lot of cash purchases or funds deals for rehabbers or anything like that? And that's how I ended up with first big investor. And then I've just kind of branched out from there really seems like a word of mouth after you get started, they tend to come to you. 
Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it played out. That's a gold nugget right there, title agencies referring private money sources. Thank you so much for sharing that on behalf of all of the best ever listeners. Specifically on the other three investors, what was the source of origin for where they came from? Those are business contacts. I do a lot of networking through the RIA and other business groups in the community. And I guess when people kind of know what you're doing, there's a small group of us that we long back and forth to each other. So that's kind of how we've done it. But yeah, just business contacts within my circle. I haven't reached outside of my circle. Okay. And business contacts that you met through the RIA? Through the RIA, through seminars that I might go to. I try to go to continuing education, some sort of real estate education once a month for a weekend, pick up something. I meet a lot of people with those and that type of thing. Mm. What's the last seminar you went to? The last one I went to was short classes. It was manufactured housing. I have two mobile home parts that I've just purchased. So they're condemned and dilapidated parks. I'm having to refill them. So I went up there. They had some lease option classes that I wanted to look into about filling these parks up. The next one I'm going to is actually this weekend leaving for the Caribbean on a cruise for creative deal structuring. So it'll be a week-long real estate vacation. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Who's putting that on? That is Bill Cook and Pete Fortunato. Okay. All right. Haven't come across them. How did you find out about that cruise? I met Bill a couple years ago at the RIA, and he specializes in door knocking. They're a good group to follow. I mean, they do a lot of very interesting deals, and they're not out there trying to sell the the next $30,000 guru package. They'll teach you anything they know and help you any way they can. Mm. Specializes in door knocking. That gentleman would be an interesting interview. I guarantee that. Oh, yeah. I'll get you his information after the show if you want to reach out to him. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Let's talk about you a little bit more. You've got $1.5 million worth of acquisitions right now that you're working on, not including the fix-up costs. How do you keep it organized? Well, that's one thing that I've had to do is bring on the, the right team members to keep everything in place. At one point early last year, I was still working a full-time job and then going out after work and still painting and and doing a lot of the rehab work myself. So I've had to delegate a little more and bring on a couple more team members to keep everything running smoothly. What have been some growing pains for you as a business owner? Well, like you said, keeping everything organized, that's the hardest part for me. I'm a very hands-on person and when it gets down to the paperwork, That's where I struggle, and uh, that's why I've had to bring on the right people to take care of that. How do you interview or qualify the right people? You know, I've been using a lot of the same people since I started building and remodeling, I guess, in 01. As far as the subs and the guys that I've got working for me, they've come through recommendation, or I've just been using them so long I can delegate a little better. As far as the clerical work, it kind of fell in my lap when she had lost her job with the company she was with. I had known her for a while, so we were able to transition that right in. So that's kind of how I ended up with her. As far as interviewing, I didn't interview anybody else for that position. Mm. How many units do you have in your portfolio that you oversee on a buy and hold basis? We closed on three units yesterday, or six units, three duplexes, and that put us up to uh, 30. I'm counting the mobile home parks, but I'm not counting those yet until I'm uh, operational. (laughs) Until they're individuals in those spots. How do you manage them? Do you self-manage? 
We do. I was picking up that vibe from you that you were self-managing since you said you're so hands-on. I'd like to delegate eventually, but like I say, it's hard to let go control sometimes, and it's definitely hard for me. Well, as a landlord and someone who's self-managing, what challenge have you come across with the 30 units that you've got? When we take on a property, several of mine are new, and then when I purchase a property, I go through them really well and set them up to where there's virtually no maintenance. So I have very little problems with my tenants. I, I screen them real well. I told you I worked a full-time job. I was a police officer. So I kind of have a feel for people. But in the same sense, I just lay down the law up front that they understand how I work, and we very rarely have any calls or complaints. 95% of them pay on time, so we stay occupied. In terms of screening, how do you qualify the prospective tenant whenever they're applying for the unit? I guess the same way everybody else does. We check references. We do a background check, criminal check, and credit check, and invest them that way. What sources or resources do you use to do that? I have to check with the, the girls in the office. They okay. handle that now. And they're I, handling uh, it. I don't even have my hand on it, yeah. That's a good thing. I wasn't sure how hands are you are <laughs> during the process. Before she came on and uh, started helping with that, I, I wasn't doing any of that. You start out one at a time and you add somebody, you add somebody. And, you know, we were up to 16 or so a year and a half ago. And then several of them we purchased were already occupied. So that kind of eliminated that screening. We've been fortunate to pick up good tenants in the occupied properties. Mm. How'd you come across that distressed mobile home park? Well, it was through the investor that I met through the title agency. He had it in his portfolio and was just passing it on. Wow. There's that title agency contact again. It definitely paid off. So, you know, I also, I moved my business to that title agency too. You better have. That's right. (laughs) Take care of them. Have you done any other creative approaches to finding private money? No, I haven't done anything else other than just word of mouth. It's kind of like your elevator pitch. When you start talking to somebody, just kind of letting them know what you do and that sparks the interest. You can kind of gauge whether or not they're interested and then pursue it further. But that's really the only way I've pursued private money. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? Don't give up. I look back at that in uh, 2010 where the banks, I said, closed the door. There's always an alternative uh, method out there, and that's my biggest thing is don't give up on that. And uh, Bill Cook, the gentleman I mentioned earlier, his kind of philosophy is if you say think outside the box, he'll say what box. You know, So leave your mind open and go out there and find it because it's there. I like that response to think outside the box. You ready for the best ever lightning round? All right. First, though, a quick word from our best ever partners. Remember to get your free deal analysis tool for your flips at fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P.com forward slash best ever. It will detail your scope of work, help you analyze if the project's profitable, and make a determination on the max purchase price. Fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, it is here. Well, it's almost here, February 24th and 25th, the conference, the best ever conference. Have you signed up yet? Oh, if you haven't, you better sign up right now. It's going to sell out, besteverconference.com. I'm going to be there. A bunch of the guests who you've heard interviewed on the show are going to be there. 
just go to besteverconference.com and look at all the speakers that you're going to hear from that will help you move your business forward in 2017. I want to meet you in person. The best ever guests who are speaking at this event want to meet you in person. And people who haven't been interviewed on this podcast who are speaking at the conference, they want to meet you in person. Go to besteverconference.com. Best ever book you've read. The richest man in Babylon. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it. That would have been a business partner that decided they wanted to leave real estate and, and do some traveling. And that kind of left me thinking, what do I do? And, you know, that's having to go out and find it and realize it's there, you know, if you want it bad enough. Best ever deal you've done? I was going to look at a HUD property to flip, and I see a duplex on the side of the road that has a tarp on it. And I thought, well, I'm going to contact the owner and see if they're interested in selling. So I wrote down what I thought was the address. We live in a kind of rural area, so all the mailboxes are on one side of the street. I called my realtor and said, hey, check this out and see if you can find the owner. She called me. It was a bank on property. I get ready to meet the banker up there, and I'm sitting in the driveway of the duplex that had the tarp on the roof, and I see him pulling across the street at these newer duplexes. So I realized I was in the wrong, so I went across the street and spoke with him. They sold the duplexes. They had had them for about a year. We got them under contract at seventy-five. Two sets of duplexes, so we got four units for seventy-five thousand. Put about twelve thousand in them, got them rented, and then held them for about four months, and we sold those for two hundred. So that was kind of dumb luck. <laughs> you know, I'm always looking when I'm driving around, but I mean, I ended up at the it was a totally <laughs> wrong duplex that we even called about. Uh, and I'm kind of glad because I finally reached the owner of the one with the tarp on the roof, and she didn't want to sell. So I'm glad we didn't stop there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I'm sensing a theme here. I'll summarize it at the end, but there's definitely been a theme. What's the best ever way you like to give back? I like to spend a lot of time in the community. I don't know if you, I guess you saw I'm on the city council and the Kiwanis Club, civic organizations. I work with the uh, high school kids through the Kiwanis Club. And then anything I can do to help out around the community, we donate our dump trailers for use at the library when they're doing demo or I've also started a little mastermind group for some other investors and lenders and realtors, and we kind of meet every other Monday and brainstorm and see how we can help each other. So that's another way. What would you say is the biggest mistake you've made so far in real estate? That was, I guess, back to that deal. I bought this piece of property. It was three and a half acres. The banks loaned the money to buy the property, develop the property, put the sewers in, retention, engineering, everything. We built one duplex on it, and that's when they kind of shut that door. And it was just a big blow to my confidence. And rather than going out and looking for other solutions, I kind of backed off for a little while. So that was rough. But, yeah, that was the biggest mistake I made was giving up on that. What's the best place the best ever listeners can get in touch with you? Through the website, bigmikebuyshousescash.com or mjhicks1781 at yahoo.com. All right. Well, thank you for being on the show Thank you for your service as a police officer, too, by the way. And thank you for talking through a very interesting theme, and that is I imagine what goes through your head when a challenging situation comes up is how can I use this? Because clearly that's what you've done subconsciously or consciously when challenging things come up, like your business partner who left in 
wanted to go travel the world. So if you think, how can I use this? Well, I can gain access to more private money by, in your case, reaching out to title agencies. And that individual who the title agency introduced you to has been your largest private investor to date. Right now, you've got over 1.5 million bucks worth of investor dollars at work across four investors. And then the other time that I noticed you must have thought consciously or subconsciously, how can I use this? It's when you're parked across the street at the wrong property. And then you're like, oh, okay, let me just hoof it over to where the banker is. And then you ended up buying those properties, putting in a little bit of money and making a large chunk of cash as a result of the convenient misunderstanding. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you for sharing your best ever advice. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. You too. Thank you. Best ever listeners. It is here. Well, it's almost here. February 24th and 25th. The conference, the best ever conference. Have you signed up yet? Oh, if you haven't, you better sign up right now. It's going to sell out. Besteverconference.com. I'm going to be there. A bunch of the guests who you've heard interviewed on the show are going to be there. Just go to besteverconference.com and look at all the speakers that you're going to hear from that will help you move your business forward in 2017. I want to meet you in person. The best ever guests who are speaking at this event want to meet you in person. And people who haven't been interviewed on this podcast who are speaking at the conference, they want to meet you in person. Go to besteverconference.com.